Anchored is a production of the Classic Learning Test, based in Annapolis, Maryland, reconnecting knowledge and virtue through meaningful assessments. Visit us at cltexam.com slash get started. Welcome back to the Anchored Podcast, the official podcast of the Classic Learning Test. My name is Soren Schwab, VP of Partnerships here at CLT, and today we're joined by Reverend Jennifer Ryden. Jennifer is the senior chaplain at Hope College in Holland, Michigan. She received her BA from Bethel College, her MA from Aquinas College, and her MDiv from Western Theological Seminary. As part of the campus ministry ministry team at Hope, she's able to minister to students through pastoral care, faith formation and discipleship, and chapel leadership. Jennifer is married to her husband, David, who is a professor of political science at Hope College, and we are so delighted to have you on Anchored at Jennifer. Welcome. Thank you, Soren. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited about this conversation, as we always do. We'll start the Anchored podcast by talking about your own educational journey. What was it like for you growing up? Were you homeschooled? Did you attend Christian school, public school? What was it like? You bet. I have lived in Holland, Michigan for a long, long time, but I'm a native of Minnesota. So I grew up in the St. Croix River Valley, which is about half hour east of the Twin Cities. And I grew up in a public school system, uh, quite a large one, actually, and really, really good. It was a really great upbringing. I'm grateful I got to grow up in the church as well. Um, I grew up in a small Methodist congregation where my dad, who was a public school teacher, a band teacher, was also the choir director. But I, yeah, I a wonderful, a wonderful education. And when it came to college, I really wanted to go to a Christian a Christian school. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but I landed at Bethel College, which is now Bethel University, and that's in St. Paul. It was about a half hour where I grew up, um, and that was also a really, really wonderful experience. Bethel is, at least at that point, it was BGC Baptist. It was a little different from my Methodist upbringing, but I think they were a school also attentive to kind of the historic Christian faith and the, the impact of faith, uh, certainly on Western civilization on, on, and on the world. And so deeply grateful for that. I ended up majoring in English literature and wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do with that, but I loved words and I love story, which is, I think, in part why I love scripture so much. Scripture at its base is a word and the story of, of everything. So I deeply love those. And I ended up teaching then after college. It was a good route. Wonderful. Well, let me ask you kind of a follow-up question there, because I think we're in 2023. It seems like more and more Christian parents are trying to avoid sending their kids to public school because it's, it's so often, at least it's it's perceived that it's undermining their faith. That was not your experience at all. And so your, your parents were very comfortable sending you to public school and the faith formation was at home. Was that pretty normal around that time? Do you feel like that that has changed a little bit? I think it's changed a lot, Soren. Yeah, I think it has. I'm really old. No, you're not. Uh, public school, <laughs> yeah, I think public school was fundamentally different back then. When I grew up, there was no Christian education offering other than a, a small Catholic parish school that a good friend of mine went to, for example, and received great education. But there was not any other offerings. And back then, nor were the charter schools, nor were their homeschools opportunities. Now, it's it's been really amazing, actually, for the last 20, 30 years to see the educational landscape change profoundly. So my, my brother, my brother and sister-in-law, they all homeschool now. Uh, 
classical education. It's, it's amazing what they get to do with their kids and what they covenant to do with the homeschool network. My children have done both, actually. We, we have two college-age students, children, and one high schooler, and they have been part of both the public school system and Holland Christian school system. So, so we've, oh, yeah. we've had have both of those experiences. I do think the last few years there's been a significant shift within the public school system. And the questions that are being asked, the offerings that are given, it, it's been a significant shift. It's different, but at least we got more options too, as yeah. as, as parents, That's where awesome. to where to send our students. That would be right if if you had been in that position, and the only other option would have been the Catholic school, which I assume, given your faith background, would have not been ideal, or just continuing the public school. At least now we have we have those options. So you're a fellow English major. I, I was too, and so I, I feel like we have this you know natural connection there, Jennifer. I love stories as well. I did not pursue ministry. You did. When did you start thinking about doing that? Was it was it at Bethel and and and, and was it like you said that pursuit of, of great stories or what made you decide on that? Yes, at Bethel I was an English major and then I didn't choose a minor. So that left me lots of opportunities to just take classes that I was interested in that I love. So I took a number of Bible classes, which I really appreciated. I also took a lot of like art history classes, which which I think is a nice combination of both. Half the history of art is most art, at least the sacred art. When you're studying right. art history, you're also studying stories and frame of the Bible. But I think so I think truly I always had a call to ministry. I just wasn't sure what to do about that. And I wasn't sure vocationally what to do. And so I was, I've always been involved with the church in a number of ways in sort of lay leadership. And then, and then something happened. I usually described that my sort of formal call to ministry as a midlife crisis. I was kind of upper thirties, mid to upper thirties and was, in a wonderful school, but dissatisfied with the work that had the particular day-to-day work that I was doing. And one moment, I really had an epiphany of God's call to me to enter seminary by to enter ministry by way of seminary. And I think I'm I'm just a lifelong learner. I love to learn, and I had always, when I met people who were in seminary, I was deeply um, envious. And so finally, I, God said, Jennifer, it's time for you to go to seminary, and I did. Like I. I I quit my job. I enrolled in seminary and it, it's meant to be three years in residence. For me, we go to me four years in residence and I've been pastoring since 2016. So I finished Christmas of, of 15 and I pastored a small church for a couple of years. And then I'm now wrapping up my fifth year, as I like to say, as a campus pastor, as a, as a university, as a collegiate yeah. pastor, which is. I think, I think where I was always meant to be, actually. I deeply love the work that I get to do on a daily basis, and I'm so grateful by God's grace that I get to do it. That's beautiful. And we'll, we'll talk about that work, what it looks like to be a senior chaplain at a college. I want to go back to one thing you said, which I think is, is so special, and especially at, at liberal arts or Christian colleges, that you just were able to take classes <laughs> because you wanted to, not because they were acquired by your major or because, quote unquote, they got you got something out of them as in something practical something utilitarian but just for personal edification before i transferred to hillsdale college also in michigan i attended a large public kind of research university and it was impossible to go into other departments and just take classes even to audit i mean they look at you like are you crazy why would you 
why would you want that class not going to get you anything right so that that idea of of just for personal edification or just for the sheer beauty or the truth of the class that that was not your experience at all and i assume it's the same at hope yeah i i, I just i find that so interesting do, do you feel like in a way our culture is also telling kids n- not to do that right like it's it's so like take these classes to get this piece of paper to then get this credentialing to then get this that there's not even room for that what are your thoughts on that I, uh boy i it's multifaceted yeah i think practically speaking college is expensive i mean it's it's yeah, expensive it's and so there is certainly some contingent of especially people here at hope college who are I would say quite vocationally charged and vocationally mm-hmm. focused. They're coming to college to um, receive skills, receive training in a certain area so that they might pursue a, a vocation. And I see that often with like nursing students, nursing a particular right. career path, a wonderful one. And they're coming here in order to pursue that um, and to go and engage in like health. So I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I also respect and love the space of like a liberal arts education. Liberal arts, liberal meaning sort of this freedom and arts meaning to achieve a skill to practice. And I love the exploration that liberal arts education offers in that you can just pursue learning for the joy of it, <laughs> for the interest mm-hmm. of it. Um, I, I think that God gives us this space um, to explore his good creation. And that might be by way of chemistry or by way of philosophy or by way of any number of other things. I think the earth is the Lord and all therein. <laughs> and education is, is a way of um, learning about God by learning about God's world. Is I think kind of a, a part of my understanding. And so for me, I just was never vocationally really <laughs> um, driven. I, I wanted to, again, think about poetry and words and art. Um, and religion and space like that. And I'm just grateful that I do it and I still do it. I'm still a student, Soren. I can't stop being a student. Right, yeah. I'm still learning, <laughs> so lifelong. That's beautiful. Well, and you're at a, at a college that, that allows for that. And I think that's that's part of it, right? I mean, how many students, I know I wouldn't have, uh, would, would just pick up a copy of Shakespeare just on their own for, you know, just for leisure not probably not that many or you know pick up an art history book but i assume hope college does have a a core curriculum to expose students to the liberal arts and expose students to all these fields that and maybe we need more nurses that are well versed in in poetry right and have moral imagination and and not just english majors yeah. right <laughs> even though they're obviously the best jennifer but can you talk to us a little bit about that about you know are there are there classes that all hope college students take when they when they come to campus you bet. yeah i think our curriculum is probably similar to other other curriculum in that we yes even more vocational paths within our college um, are still grounded in the liberal arts, that we still want you to come out being a person who is a thinking person, engaging. Sometimes I just feel like engaging in the big question, um, right? And the fundamental questions of who we are as people, who God is, um, how we think of identity, humanity, truth, justice, um, the world, the natural world, our core curriculum is engaging all of those things, history, philosophy, 
So you're going to come and get to dabble in in that in a variety of ways. So you'll take take sort of a cultural heritage class, you'll take a religion class, uh, you'll take a health class, all all of those things. Beautiful. I love that. Well, I mentioned earlier in the introduction that that your husband is is a professor. I think he's how many years is, has it been? Twenty. Oh, Even more David than has that. Been a, He's, he's been here for a long, long. I've only been here for five, but he's been here for for a long. long. So you are you're clearly all in on on Hope oh, College, um, <laughs> and and very committed to it. We've you know we've had we've had college professors on the Anchored Podcast. We've had college presidents even and and deans and all the different fields, but we haven't had a, a, a chaplain or a senior chaplain uh, on the Anchored Podcast. And so maybe some of our listeners are wondering, you know. What does a day in the life of, of Jennifer Ryden look like? What are some of your responsibilities, your duties, your joys? Um, you probably don't view them as duties. Um, what, what are some of the things that you do as a, as a senior chaplain? I'm, well, first let me say I'm honored to maybe be your first chaplain. Um, that's, that's, yeah. I always feel a little insecure if I'm going up against presidents and professors. Um, <laughs> so I'm uh, grateful that I get to be a chaplain here. Yeah, a number of things. I mean, our, our kind of mission statement at Hope College is that uh, Hope is a four-year liberal arts college where academic excellence and vibrant Christian faith join together in a supportive and welcoming community in downtown Holland. We're committed to deep roots, rigorous preparation for students that we would send them out to live faithfully and vocationally, making a difference in the world. So that's a really wonderful, it's a really wonderful mission. Um, and the part where it talks about Christian community and vibrant Christian community, I usually say that's the space where I get to work. I get to foster, nurture, encourage that vibrant Christian community. I'm not the only person who does it, but that's a deep part of what I do as I partner across campus, engaging uh, faculty, staff, and students. And so a day in my life is... It's multifaceted. I might, Monday mornings, I get to begin with operations committee meeting, which is called by the president, um, and that has some key leaders on campus. I then move into chapel, and we, we worship four times a, four times a week at Hope College. Um, so that's a big part of what we do. Um, a big part of what I do is I steward that chapel space. I also organize it and, and make sure it happens along with a few key staff. So we move into then um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we have a time of prayer and we have chapel, which is 22 minutes, 1030 to 1052. And that's by and large my favorite thing. I love when we get to worship. I love that I host that and also leave of that and make that happen. And that's one of the, one of the key uh, pieces. I think one of the really special things about our worship is that is that it's invitational. Worship is, is our chapel especially is not required on campus. And so not that there's not I have nothing against that and plenty of other wonderful college Christian schools require chapel. Ours is not. And so we continue to discern how to make that invitational, hospitable, faithful, um, formational are, are some of our end goals of chapel. I have a number of small groups that I help with also kind of foster on campus. And I also, our ministry is very relational. So all of our chaplains spend a considerable amount of, of our days one-on-one um, -on -one meeting with students. And that's um, just a deep grace for me. As we walk alongside students, 
any number of questions, any all sort of places on their journey of faith, and we get to meet with them and offer spiritual direction and hope. Beautiful. I've just seen the smile on your face as you're talking about the work that you do. It's just, it's just so beautiful and seems like just the perfect, perfect fit. So you, you mentioned you've been at Hope for about five years, obviously connected through your husband for much longer. But, but even in those five years, I, I assume there's been a lot of cha- Well, we know there's been a lot of changes, increase in technology, social media, even though social media was around even longer than that, but new social media, the growing divide in our country, even among Christians. Uh, of course, COVID and the impacts of COVID and, and mental health. Uh, from your perspective, what have you seen these these last few years? And and are there maybe some issues now that you're dealing with, or some topics that you're dealing with that maybe when you first started you did not have to even even consider? Um, yeah, where to start? Oh, there's so much. Yeah, I we're all still kind of recovering from COVID and and wondering what that has meant. Um, or the space of teaching and learning, what that's how that's working itself out in classrooms. Um, certainly, students students preparation for the classroom, students engagement in the classroom space. That's that's part of the conversation, especially faculty is having. Um, we've had lots of conversations around the mental health of our students. I think uh, students are oh man more and more a longing for community longing for a sense of belonging and place. And yet I think in part because of COVID and part because of our the isolation that just occurs because of our technology, students have a greater longing for it and yet also experience a greater sense of separation from one another. Hmm. And so I think students are eager to come to college and many of them looking for a fresh start, many of them looking for a community that maybe they didn't find in high school that was hard and yet they're finding it challenging they can, it can be challenge challenging to pursue new friendships to to pursue a new life here and so a lot of our conversations are, are about that I often tell students that coming to college is a really it's it's amazing um it's also an extraordinary shift in their life I, I sometimes will quote Genesis 12 when God said to Abraham Abraham I want you to leave Leave your land, leave your family, leave your people, and go to this new place that I will tell you. And sometimes I talk students through that, that they have left the, the home that they've had for 18 years. They've left all of their previous relationships. They've left their just everything, and they're coming to Hope College, and they're coming to make a new life. And it's, it's hard. It can be disorienting. It can be challenging, even as it is, is often really exciting and really wonderful. And so there's a lot of things that students have to deal with in that time that we that we talk about. I think also there's, for me, I think students are more and more skeptical of the church. They're skeptical of Christians. And so for us, how do we speak about the, the good news of God for us and Jesus Christ? Again, and witness to that, but also aware of, of lots of other witnesses that don't necessarily... Um, help students cultivate that. So there are lots of conversations around that. I think students are are well aware of what the world is. They're well aware of what you just named, of the brokenness, of the divide, of the fracture, of the divisiveness. And they're wondering what, what to make of it and, and what, what to do with all that. So lots of deep questions coming in. 
the biggest and most important ones that we get to to wrestle with. But what better way than, you know, at a small college campus where they are lifted up and where they can find that place. As you're talking, my mind is racing. And I, and I want to pick your brain on that a little bit because you're mentioning this longing that that students have to belong, that longing for community. But then we're also, I, f- I feel like, and inevitably our students experience this, the, the public discourse today is so much about identity and individualism and about finding and living your truth and being your genuine self, your authentic self, which could sometimes seem like it's it's in contrast to that, that also that longing for community, which sometimes means to some extent giving up some of that self. Have you thought about this? Because I mean, I, I'm just that, that that thought just crosses my mind. But but can you speak to that a little bit? Is that a, is that a tension that that you see as well? I boy, have I thought about it, Thorn. Yes, <laughs> some days I think about nothing else. Boy, I think it's so hard. I I think the the sort of ethic of of individuality, as you named, some call it the autonomous autonomous individual self, the idea that we're sort of self-made, that we're self-actualized, that even our identity is something that we make, right? And And I think that is, I think that comes through in a lot of ways, particularly sensitive to social media and what that has fostered. I think it's just, it's so pervasive. But yes, exactly. So there's something in us that really we want to be our individual selves. And yet that's also isolating. Communities, of course, ask things of us, you know, communities shape us and communities say that to be a part of this community, there usually is a purpose to that community. And there are values that are part of that communities and missions. And so to be part of those communities also often means that we have to give up something of ourselves, that that we have to sort of hop on board the ideals, the values, the mission of the community which might mean that we have to compromise something of ourselves. And that, that there's the rub. I think, I think there's the rub. Mm-hmm. We want the community, but we don't necessarily want to do what it takes to be a part of it. Or we don't want to maybe even submit ourselves to community or subordinate ourselves. Those are not very popular words, but to be part of a community, we often have to do that. And so I think those are, yeah, those are the challenges of how to honor one another as individuals and yet live together as community. Seems like you've thought about it. you thought about it a lot. I mean, it's, it's interesting, right? Because, you know, we talk a lot about inclusivity, but for groups to be inclusive, I mean, in a way, by definition, an organization or a group is also exclusive, right? Because they're perimeters around, like, being part of a group. And so it's, it's, it's certainly a, yeah. Attention that now after talking to you, I, I want to th- think about a lot more um, as well, because this, this is fascinating. Well, I think that's also, um, I think that's, yeah, sorry to interrupt, but I think that's just deep graces of the Christian faith is that as those who are made in the image of God, those who are redeemed by Christ, we have something that is outside of ourselves. We have a concept of who we are, which isn't self-made. It's, it's given to us. Um, It's it's given to us. The the gift of our existence and who we are is is a gift from God. Um, And that allows us um, a certain sense of freedom and I would say joy and belonging 
that we don't get apart from from the Christian faith. So I, I often will yeah. talk to talk to students about who they are in Christ and the gift of what that is, and then also just the great space that that invites us into, which is which right. is ex- exclusive in some ways, and yet so inclusive because it's it's a space that we don't need. It's a space that's given to us by God, and and that's extremely hopeful to me. And I think what Hope College points to. Absolutely beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Jennifer. I do have one more question for you. The most difficult one of all, <laughs> but also the, my favorite one, the most exciting one. Can you tell us one book or one text that has been most impactful uh, in your your life and why? Well, I'm going to sneak it. I'm going to say two. First, there's Paul's <laughs> correspondence with the Corinthian church. Love it to death, and I love Paul's words into a deeply divisive people. He has some wonderful things to say. So that's my first one, Corinthians. But my second one, Soren, is one of my favorite book group reads, a little book by Tish Harrison Warren, and it's called The Liturgy of the Ordinary Sacred Practices in Everyday Life. And I've probably read this four times with a student group, with a faculty and staff group, And it never fails to inspire us and give us hope. The premise is that we become aware of God's presence in our ordinary, everyday lives. And I need that all the time. How is God at work in this world? How is is God moving and shaping and transforming even us? And Tish Harrison uh, Warren offers us just aspects of our everyday life in which we may um, encounter God and, and bear witness to God. And it's one of my favorites. Read it. If you haven't. That that sounds fantastic. That sounds fantastic. Writing it down as as you speak. Well, this has been a delightful conversation. Again, we're here with Reverend Jennifer Ryden, who's the senior chaplain at Hope College in beautiful Holland, Michigan. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining Come us today. Visit us, Soren. We'd love to have you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Anchored. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to leave a rating or review on your podcast platform of choice. And remember to subscribe and share with your friends and colleagues. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next time.